Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. No Freddie Freeman or Carlos Correa signings just yet, but it was still a jam-packed weekend in Major League Baseball. Let's break it all down. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, March 14th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. We originally had a bus planned for today, but there was just so much that happened. Bus will have to wait till later on mm. in the week. Scott, I am sorry that the Braves haven't signed Freddie Freeman yet. How are you feeling uh, at this very moment? My stomach is in knots, Frank. <laughs> I, um, I feel nothing but dread in all areas of my life, and I am... Um, Praying for resolution sooner than later. Praying for positive resolution. Uh, I'm being a little dramatic for the entertainment of our audience, but only a little dramatic. I, I would be, I, I'm not lying when I say I've lost sleep over this. Dating back to December, I've lost over, oh, I've <laughs> lost sleep over this, 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 uh, this possibility that Freddie Freeman might not actually may not wear a Braves uniform next year. And, um, yeah, there was a video going around from him being interviewed after the World Series by the 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 Fox crew who, you know, the studio crew who covered the game, A-Rod and Frank Thomas and all of that, and just him. Freddie I had Frank no idea Bucky. Frank Thomas was a Braves fan. Yeah, yeah, from Columbus, Georgia, originally. Mm. Um, he never played for the Braves. But anyway, it's so obvious that Freddie Freeman doesn't want to play for any team other than the Braves in that interview. Like it just, it just really brought it home and just being reminded of that. It's like, it's obvious he wants to be there. It's obvious the Braves want, like, why hasn't this happened yet? And it's, it's, uh, it's incredibly, it's incredibly scary, Frank. I, dude, I hear you, man. Look, if he doesn't sign with the Yankees, obviously for my own selfish reasons, I hope that he goes back to your Braves. But if he doesn't, You've got some real questions when it comes to that team because I just I can't figure it out for the life of me why they have not signed yeah. Freddie Freeman yet. No, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt to watch them. I, I may need to I may need to take a break at least for a while until until the hurting goes away, however long that takes. Um, obviously which, not gonna take a break while covering baseball because that's my job. <laughs> which number do you think will be bigger? The contract that Freddie Freeman signs for with whoever he signs for. Or the surplus value that the Atlanta Braves will get out of Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albee's contracts combined. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it, know. if I gave you Freddie Freeman's contract plus a hundred million, I still might take the Acuna and Albee contracts being a bigger number. So, like the idea that they might let Freeman walk is just 
utterly and completely indefensible. Like, I don't care if you can get Matt Olson and get 80% of the, no. the production for, you know, half the cost. It, it's, it's not about that. It's, it's Freddie Freeman's team, okay? Like, that, that's the guy you don't cheap out on. You don't. And, like, I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's willing to take less than the Dodgers could potentially give him is the thing. It's just how much before it becomes, uh, you know, a matter of, of insult. Right. So what what I I think it probably already is. Well, impossible to know because like nothing leaks from the Braves front office since Alex Anthopoulos got that. So that part of the reason is just everything's in the dark. And that's that's part of what makes it scary. But um, my suspicion of what's happening is that the Dodgers have obviously offered him more. Maybe the Yankees have offered him more. Uh, but he still really wants to be with the Braves. So they're trying to get creative maybe a sixth year team option with like a huge buyout or something, maybe front loading the contract, just something atypical is trying to be negotiated here to make this work. And I really hope it happens. Chris, at least it was a big weekend for one of our teams, right? The Marlins, they signed a, uh, a fan favorite, a, a big beefy baseball, baseball boy, uh, Williams Asutio. So, one of the one of the best players in baseball. It's it's a huge deal. Uh, Williams Estadio. That you know, really, it's the big bat the Marlins have been uh, looking for. So yeah, I mean, who needs very? Ex- no, I, I am I am extremely rooting for Williams Estadio to make the Marlins. And if any listener out there wants to get ahead of it, buy me a Williams Estadio Marlins custom jersey. Go ahead. You know, I think I think we would all appreciate that. All right, let's get into all of the latest, the trades, the signings, the biggest news from the weekend, lots of bullpen things going on as well. And let's start with Sonny Gray, who was traded on Sunday with Sonny Gray and minor league pitcher Francis Peguero traded to the Minnesota Twins in exchange for 2021 first round pick Chase Petty. He is a high school pitcher with a massive fastball, really good slider as well. We'll see if he can develop into a starting pitcher, uh, but Scott, I mean, I know that typically, you know, we did our starting pitcher previews recently and uh, didn't sound like you were excited to draft Sonny Gray, but, you know, this is a pretty nice park shift going from Great American Ballpark to Target Field. Uh, And, you know, while the service level numbers were not great for Sonny Gray last year, the underlying numbers were still pretty good. What do you think about this move for Sonny Gray? Yeah, it, it doesn't really change my opinion much. Yes, Sonny Gray splits last year. Uh, we're, we're as you'd expect, given the park, he was pitching at 489 ERA at home, 344 on the road. Previous two years for the Reds, it, it, home away, they weren't that different. Like he's not, he's not a pitch. Like he gets his outs via ground balls and strikeouts. Yes, it can only help leaving Cincinnati, but it, how much is it going to help? Honestly, I, I think it's it's it, it really comes down to whether good Sonny Gray shows up or mediocre Sonny Gray shows up. And uh, I've been faked out so many times by him over the years that I'm, I don't want to guess anymore. He's just, he's just somebody you get. If you um, need some innings and need some strikeouts in the middle to late stages of your draft. And if, if he delivers on more than that, great, but you can't count on it. 
Chris, Sonny Gray missed time last year due to back groin and rib issues in 10 starts before he hit the IL. He had a 3.42 ERA, almost 12 strikeouts per nine, and then 16 starts after returning from injury, a 4.64 ERA. The velocity for the fastball down a little bit as well. Uh, what do you think about Sonny Gray overall and this move to the Minnesota Twins? I mean, he's a fine guy to have around. I, I don't think he's going to make or break your team either way, but... You know, he's the type of player that in the past, like Scott said, we, we've kind of talked ourselves into or tried to do the, um, oh, he's peaking now. or And it's just the, the inconsistency, both in the type of pitcher he's been and the results that he gets has been such a part of his game for so many years that I think that's what you have to expect. Numbers, probably high threes, low fours, ERA, good strikeouts, but you know, probably not going to get a ton of innings even if he stays healthy for the full season. So he's a... If you get him around his ADP, which is 177.7 in NFC drafts, I think it's perfectly fine. But he's definitely not someone that I'm consciously, like that I'm making a, a point to draft one way or the other. Sonny Gray, you mentioned the ADP with the NFBC on Fantasy Pros. It is a little bit higher. He's going as the 48th starting pitcher off the board, 163.2. Scott, who would you rather have, Sonny Gray or... I know this might seem like an obvious answer, but Ranger Suarez with the news last week that came out that, you know, he's got visa issues and might not be ready for the start of the season. He's ADP, Ranger Suarez, he's about 10 picks higher, but I think that's probably going to come down a little bit. I think Sonny Gray will, pro- will probably move up a little bit. Who would you rather have between those two? I'd still take Suarez. I did move Suarez down a little bit. I don't think I'm going to move Sonny Gray up at all, but they there were... You know, I was one of the highest people on Suarez to begin with, so there, there's still a pretty substantial gap between the two for me. Chris, who would you rather have, Sonny Gray or Logan Gilbert? They have nearly the same ADP, 163.2 versus 163.4. I would rather have Gilbert. I do wonder if I'm falling for the, like, the younger guy has more upside, even if that might not actually be true in this case. Sonny Gray does have, uh, you know, a, a decent amount of upside, but... Yeah, I would I would rather take the chance on someone like Logan Gilbert who you know throws hard, has you know at least prospect pedigree and and the the potential to have you know multiple plus pitches and good command. So I, I would rather have him, but it's it's close ish. All right, let's move on to another trade that happened this weekend. Chris Bassett traded to the New York Mets in exchange for. Now, I will admit, this is a bad host job by me. Scott, do you know if it's JT Ginn or JT Jin? I don't. I don't, I don't. know either. So we'll no, go with I, JT I Ginn. <laughs> uh, Chris Bassett traded to the Mets in exchange for pitcher prospect JT Ginn and Adam Aller. Uh, Chris Bassett's ADP right now, 130.8. He is the SP39 off the board. And Chris Bassett, I mean, it seems like annually undervalued in fantasy baseball. He's got a 3.23 ERA since the start of 2018. That's actually 15th best among qualified starting pitchers. However, brought this up recently when we were, again, doing our starting pitcher previews, much better in his career in Oakland Coliseum, which is a great uh, place to pitch. 2.44 ERA there, 3.71 career ERA on the road. Chris, this time we will start with you. What do you think about Chris Bassett moving over to the New York Mets? Do you maybe downgrade him because it's not as great of a park to pitch? And it's still a pretty good park, though. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think you downgrade him much because where Bassett... I mean, last year he actually did take a step forward as a strikeout pitcher, and, and that was big. But where he's 
you know, really, I don't know, made his money, I guess, over the past couple of seasons has been in, you know, suppressing quality of contact. He's got a 355 expected Wobon contact for his career. It's been lower than that each of the past four seasons now. And that is a place, you know, that, that's one way in which City Field isn't necessarily a significant downgrade. It doesn't suppress home runs in the same way that the O.co or whatever we call that stadium now. I don't know. Um, Ring but, Central Coliseum. Excuse me? Ring Central Coliseum. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Um, the City Field does suppress Babbitt decently or batting average, I suppose, is the other way to say that. So I don't think it's a huge downgrade for him. It is a downgrade, but not in a way that makes me particularly concerned. It's a it's a weird profile because, you know, we tend to prefer the the strikeout pitchers. And if he goes back to being a 21 percent guy, then you're probably looking at a baseline expectation where his ERA is more in the high threes range, I would say, in which case. You know, if you're getting 160 or 180 innings, but only 140 or so strikeouts and a high three ZRA, then it's like, yeah, who cares? But, you know, if he can sustain, not not who cares, but it's like he's not a difference maker. Yeah, sure. Um, sure. But if he can sustain the strikeout gains he made last year, then I, I don't think the home park's going to matter much. So I, I not moving him down here. I, I do think you undersold the splits there a little bit, Frank. I think you gave last year's splits not okay. the career splits. Career splits for Bassett, 258 in Oakland, 434 everywhere else. So pretty gotcha. drastic. But I, I, I don't disagree with uh, the main takeaway there that um, he's probably less susceptible to that at this stage of his career than previous stages. And like I, I think what this move means for Bassett is it's unlikely you're going to see the lows three, low three ZRA he gave you last year, but a mid three ZRA is still pretty likely. And for the innings he gives you and, you know, about a K per, hopefully. Uh, it's, I, I don't think it's a huge downgrade. Whoa. There's some stuff going on right now. Oh, geez. I am going oh, to wait until we get complete details here wow things oh, no. are things are still coming no, in it's nothing about you actually oh. i mean it might be <laughs> <laughs> no it's not freddie freeman don't worry uh oh, the, look at that. the new york yankees are finalizing a deal to acquire third baseman josh donaldson and isaiah kiner falefa from the minnesota twins and he got traded to the twins the washington nationals are gary sanchez to the twins the Washington Nationals are That's, close to signing Nelson Cruz as well. All right, so there's a lot coming in. Uh, so at, they, what? So they what? exchanged Mitch Garver for Gary Sanchez. There's yeah. Uh, as the details come in, we're going to continue on. I'll, I'll talk about the this Mitch Garver trade because yeah, I think, we haven't even talked about the Mitch right, Garver trade. It's yet. all going to be related somehow. But as the details come in, we will of course get you them. Very interesting. Josh Donaldson and Garrett Cole in the same clubhouse, huh? That's uh, very interesting. All right, we're going to see what happens here. I'm kind of excited about that. Josh Donaldson on the Yankees. Anyway, let's start about Mitch Garver, uh, who was traded to the Texas Rangers. Now, this is really going to be the start of all of this. Again, it sounds like Gary Sanchez is now going uh, to the Minnesota Twins. But Garver to the Texas Rangers in exchange for... Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Ronnie Enriquez. Uh, and Scott, maybe a slight downgrade in park. I mean, very slight. We're, we're still trying yeah. to figure out Globe Life Field. But right. uh, anyway, like Mitch Garver, I think while there might be a slight downgrade there, 
the fact that he might play more consistently now. Like, if he's healthy, he might actually have more playing time with the Rangers than he did with the Minnesota Twins. What do you think about this move for him? Yeah, for my money, this is the most impactful fantasy move of the weekend because the problem for Mitch Garver, the, the only reason he wasn't being drafted easily within the top 10 is because playing time concerns. And obviously going to the Rangers, there's no gain, guarantee he's, there's no guarantee of health. Um, so that's still a question mark. But the bigger concern for me was even when he was healthy, the Twins seem inclined to split his at-bats with Ryan Jeffers. And so the hope with this move is, is that the Rangers just want to make him straight up the first string catcher. And if that's the case, then he could be he could be a very prolific one. I mean, he was third among catchers in OPS last year, 875. I believe the only two ahead of him were Yasmani Grandal and Buster Posey, who's now retired, obviously. So third among catchers in OPS last year. First among catchers in OPS in 2019 with a 995 OPS, hit 31 home runs that year, uh, even though he really didn't take over as the primary catcher until later in the year. So I, I think by now it's pretty safe to say Garver is an impact bat at a position with very few. That's why I was thinking he was a value already because it's like, why not shoot for upside at this position? But now it doesn't even feel like that big of a gamble, you know? So I, I've moved him ahead of Tyler Stevenson. I moved mm. him ahead of Kebe Ruiz, at least in categories leagues. I kept Ruiz ahead for now in points leagues because the strikeout rate is so low, and you know that matters in points leagues. But Garver is now like a top seven, top eight catcher for me, with upside to be top five, I think. All right, Chris, what do you think about... Do you one better, Scott? Oh, boy. Oof, all right, hit me. I've moved him to number six. At there you go. Both actually number, sorry, sorry, number, was it six? Let's see. Six in Roto. I've moved him ahead of Wilson Contreras. I just think he's a better hitter. And in points, I believe he's number s- seven. I do still have Wilson Contreras ahead for points leagues because, you know, he, he should have an, a playing time edge. But yeah, I just, <clears throat> you just look at what he's done over the past three seasons and a 250 average and 800 and 870 OPS. And that's including his miserable 2020 season. So mm-hmm. which I, was uh, weird. And he had an intercostal strength <clears throat> like yeah. 20 games that he played or something. Yeah. So I'm, I, like you said, you're looking for difference makers at the position. Mitch Garver's one of the few, I think he's more of a difference maker than Wilson Contreras. Mm. All right. So Moving on up is Mitch Garver. Uh, you guys basically answered my questions about uh, where where you're going to be ranking him, moving ahead of Tyler Stevenson for sure. What's crazy is, do you actually nope. think that this will be reflected in the ADP? Because uh, Mitch Garver was basically going you know 40 picks after Adley Rutschman in ADP, 50 picks after you know Caber Ruiz and Tyler Stevenson, uh, who are going in like the same exact range. Do you actually think, Scott, that Mitch Garver will push those guys, or will he just remain undervalued because we're you know already pretty far, I guess, in in the draft season and the off season? I think he'll get drafted earlier. Will he push those guys in ADP? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think the opinion we just gave on him was seemed to be the consensus uh, based on the stuff I was seeing on Twitter. So. Uh, the people who might have been undervaluing him before 
Maybe won't now. Will they still take Tyler Stevenson ahead of him, who's been a pretty buzzy player himself? I think probably. I'm not saying they should. I I, I don't think they should. I can make a case for Adley Rutschman and and Kbert Reese ahead of uh, Mitch Garver. Even if I was like just trying to do the intellectual exercise of making the case for Tyler Stevenson over Mitch Garver, I don't think I could come up with a good one. I just... I don't think there's anything there <clears throat> with Tyler Stevenson that would make him a better fantasy option than Mitch Garver, unless you think he's just going to get like 150 more plate appearances, which I don't think he is. I, I just, I don't see any skills with Tyler Stevenson that, I mean, honestly, I don't see any skills that stand out just period, but I don't see anything that comes close to Mitch Garver's power that, that makes him worth targeting in fantasy. All right, before we get to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who, again, now looks like he's headed to the New York Yankees, let's just quickly put a bow on the on this trade. Uh, Ryan Jeffers, I think there is some fallout here for those who play in two-catcher leagues, deeper two-catcher leagues, and AL only. Uh, Ryan Jeffers, 14 home runs in 85 games last year with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Scott, he basically takes over as the starting... Well, no, he's not going to be the starting catcher now because they just acquired Gary Sanchez. All right, there you go. let's talk about all of this now. The latest okay, trade... Something else happened, Frank. I don't know if you caught it. Nelson Cruz to the Nationals on a two-year deal. Is that official? I, because I, I hate that. I hate everything about it. Okay. Um, official? Well, people are running with it. Uh, let's see. Who was it reported by? Hector Gomez. Okay. I, I'm seeing that it's uh, it's very close. Uh, they're moving closer, but it, I haven't Hector, seen it. Hector Gomez, MLB Insider... Uh, he, he tweeted breaking news the Nationals signed Nelson Cruz to two. And he is, I believe he's very plugged in with Dominican players. Okay. Hector Gomez. He, right. he tends to get a lot of scoops. Um, so I, I would I would think that's probably pretty good to mm-hmm. go with. Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, again, like Ken Rosenthal tweeted it out six minutes ago that they're in uh, serious talks, Nelson Cruz and the Washington Nationals. Uh, but we you want to see it from Rosenthal, Frank. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I want to see it from a few other sources. But again, we could talk about it if, you know, the potential of it actually happening. Let's talk about the other part of this trade. Again, the latest Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa now traded to the New York Yankees in exchange for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. I do believe the Yankees also received a backup catcher from the Minnesota Twins. So I guess that would leave. Kyle Higashioka, and now is, that new catcher. Yeah, is, is this a stupid question? Why? Is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa going to play catcher for the Yankees? I... Because no, Kyle Higashioka no. and Ben Rortvet <laughs> it's not great. might be the worst catcher combination in baseball. It's not great. That is, but that is abysmal. They I know, have to have an upgrade somewhere coming. I know that Garrett Cole does like Kyle Higashioka himself. I mean, it's like a personal catcher thing. Anyway... Let's talk about Josh Donaldson. I mean, this is a huge deal. I mean, for, I guess, we're probably going to see his value, I would say, climb quite a bit. The ADP for Josh Donaldson right now is 193.6. And we've consistently talked about him as an undervalued player all all, all season, basically. I mean, he's older. Yes, he misses time due to injury. But Scott, when Josh Donaldson plays, he's really, really good. And now he's likely going to be in the middle of the Yankees lineup. So what do you think about your instant reaction to Josh Donaldson on the Yankees? I mean, my 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 instant reaction is it sounds like a bigger deal. It's one of those, the majority of moves are a bigger deal to the real baseball world than the fantasy baseball world. But I, I don't, 
I don't know that it really changes my opinion on Josh Donaldson that much. I think some of the other factors in this deal, um, like my mind goes to Jose Miranda. Now I know they're getting, let's see, Gio Urshela is going back yeah. to the twins in the deal, but the, t- the twins sent their entire left side of the infield to the Yankees and Urshela, you know, was playing shortstop down the stretch last year. Jorge Polanco can play shortstop. Miranda has gotten time at third base and second base in the minors, and they have an opening on the infield now at either one of those spots or at shortstop. Um, Jose Miranda's not going to play shortstop, but the, the point is, if they wanted him to make the opening day roster, as things stand right now, there's room for him too. All right, yeah, really good point. I know Jose Miranda is someone we we all like here as well. Massive season in the minors last year, maybe getting more of an opportunity to play with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Chris, I mean... I don't think it's completely ridiculous. I've had some people already tweeted me asking, you know, is Isaiah kinder Fleffa going to play catcher for the Yankees? Uh, my initial reaction is I don't think he would. It seems like, you know, they want better infield defense and that's something that they they truly value and, and it seems like that's why they wanted Isaiah kinder Falefa. What do you think about his value? I mean, his ADP is 324. If he's an everyday player for the Yankees, you know, it'll give you some batting average, a couple of steals. He had eight homers, 20 steals last year. IKF over to the Yankees. What do you think, Chris? You know, my, my initial reaction when he got traded to uh, to the Twins initially was Isaiah Kronofalef is probably undervalued. And I think that's more true now that he's with the Yankees, assuming that he's going to play every day, which I think we we would expect just because of how much we're paying for stolen bases. I mean, maybe we don't buy him as a 20-steal guy, and, you know, he was an eight-steal guy the year before in 58 games, so I'm not sure it's outlandish to think he can be a, a 20-ish steal guy. It, I'd rather have, I mean, I know they play different positions and Edmund has some flexibility, but I'd rather have Isaiah Kiner-Falefa with my you know, 18th round pick than Tommy Edmund with my 8th or whatever you usually have to pay for him if I'm in a roto league. So I um, I think he's definitely a, a winner here, and I think he's probably just undervalued in general. Mm. All right, yeah, I mean... He hasn't played catcher since 2019, for what it's worth. He was... Yeah, I, I think that's... I think Chris was joking when he first mentioned that. I, it's, it's well, obvious. it's he's, more a comment wanna... on how bad the catchers that they <laughs> currently have. Right. It, was yeah. a, it was a jokey way of commenting on that. No, I, I mean, Kiner Falefa is one of the best defensive shortstops. So, like, yeah. it's, I think that's his home now. I don't really understand. It still seems like the Yankees have a logjam here because it, even if Donaldson plays third base, or, I mean, I guess he could DH, but they have so many different players that are eligible to DH for the team. Could he play first? Maybe. Uh, What would that mean for Luke Voigt? Is he on the move next? Um, They still have DJ LeMahieu that they have to fit in somewhere, whether he wants to play third base. It seems like Glaber Torres is playing second. They don't want him to play shortstop. That experiment is over. So It feels like the Yankees have multiple moves left. I don't know what they will be. I don't know who they will involve or what positions will be, but it... The current Yankees roster doesn't look anywhere close to finished. All right. And again, going back to the Minnesota Twins. Now let's talk about, you know, Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Uh, Scott, I mean, you talked about some of the fallout that Jose Miranda maybe gets more of an opportunity to play here. Uh, we were I was just about to ask you about Ryan Jeffers, who once the Mitch Garver trade happened, I thought, you know, he'd be the starter. But now obviously they have Gary Sanchez uh, and Gio Urshela. What do you think about what do you think this does for their value moving over to the Twins? I don't think it helps. 
Um, they're, you know, obviously Yankee Stadium is known to benefit left-handed hitters more, the short porch and right field and all that. And I don't know top of mind how much power they produce to the opposite field. But, you know, in theory, it's a lesser lineup. In theory, mm-hmm. it's a worse venue. I I, I kind of think Gary Sanchez is in a spot where a change of scenery can only help. Yeah, that's yeah. That, I think that's the, the whole thing there. I'm not, you know, how much, how much is that worth to me in terms of draft draft capital almost zero so look i guess the one thing i would think of when i think of gary sanchez in this context would just be that the the twins have done a really good job the last few years of i don't know if honing the right is the right word but of getting the most out of this type of player i guess um you know Byron Buxton being another like free swinging aggressive player with a lot of t- raw talent, and so maybe there's something there that they they can identify some of the flaws in his swing, and then the the Twins. I think when they broke the record for home runs a couple of years ago, it was you know with a lot of pull heavy power guys, and so maybe you know that is certainly Gary Sanchez, and he's still whatever else you want to say about him, he still crushes the ball. I mean, he doesn't do it very often, but he hits the ball extremely hard. And so it's a bet on, an, on a, uh, I don't know if you'd say an elite talent at this point, but a high-level talent. Um, I think it's interesting. You know, I, I, and I, I mean, now that we have the complete terms of the deal here, unless there's something I'm missing, I mean, they gave up Donaldson and Kiner Falefa for Sanchez and Urshela. Right and Ben Rortvet was also Ooh. yeah, but they, they the Twins also gave him up, so you right. know, kind of minor league catcher. Um, like you just match up the names there: Donaldson, Kiner, Falefa, for Sanchez and Urshela. Just matching up the names, it looks like the Twins gave up more than they got, right? And that that to me, you know, considering they just used Garver to get Kiner Falefa to make this deal, they must value Sanchez more than Garver. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yep. So, I I don't think any of us believe they should, but um, <laughs> you know they have their own uh, they have their own scouting network that. Well, and there's Dan Hayes, Twins writer for the Athletic. Twins aren't done doing whatever they are doing, especially after all of Josh Donaldson's fifty million comes off the books, which seems like a, right. a big part of it because there, there was some salary contract relief in the deal. Yeah. Um, quote lots of irons. So, yeah, I think that's. Both of these teams seem incomplete right now. Uh, the Twins probably more so than the the Yankees, but this is kind of happening in real time. And there's a, I feel like we are, we are dealing with incomplete information in the aftermath of this deal. Yeah, and as more information comes in, of course, we will get that to you, Scott. You have Gary Sanchez ranked as your tenth catcher in Roto, and Chris, you have him all the way down at twenty three. Whoa. So, do you foresee uh, moving Gary Sanchez? Probably going to move him up. Yeah. Okay. Would you? I don't know where to. I just, mm-hmm. I'm in in some respects, I'm kind of just done with it. Right. And like, oh, I tried to talk myself into Gary Sanchez last downs- year, and it did not work I, very well. I think with when he was with the Yankees, there was downside risk of just bottoming out, like losing playing time, being benched, like not playing at all. 
I think that's extremely unlikely with the Twins, given what they've given up for him. So I do think I have to move him up. Um, I don't know if 10 would be the right answer, but yeah, probably mid-teens, I would guess. Okay, and uh, I guess last part here, it, let's just say Kyle Higashioka is the starting catcher for the Yankees. I mean, the batting average has been dreadful. Uh, he does have some pop. He had 10 home runs in 67 games. Scott, any interest in you know deeper two-catcher leagues if Higashioka is indeed the starting catcher for the Yankees? He'd be one of the least appealing starting catchers out there. So it would have to be the sort of league where literally every catcher who gets at bats is drafted. He's like your classic like low end number two fantasy catcher. Like he might hit 15 home runs or 16 home runs with a 200 average. I just, I don't seem like, I don't know, maybe the Yankees really like him. There are some like somewhat interesting things in his batted ball profile. He does hit the ball well and he's a good framer, uh, which isn't a fantasy relevant thing, but for playing time purposes. But yeah, I, I think he's pretty bad. All right. Apparently. Uh, I do have a bit of a take here. Josh Donaldson, again, the ADP 193.6, according to Fantasy Pros. I think over the next couple of weeks, he closes the gap on Justin Turner. I, I think he moves up about like 40 spots. Justin Turner's ADP is 151.8. Whether it's deserved or not, I think it's just going to be like a Yankee tax and people are going to get really excited about this move. And Donaldson is going to come close to being drafted in the same range as, just, as Justin Turner. I, I think I, that's really going to happen. I think like a 40 homer season's not out of the question for Josh Donaldson still, even at this point in his career. Um, and I, I say this like 60% as a joke, but 40% serious. Like the Yankees training room is going to get a real workout. I mean, that was already true before this, but between Stanton judge Gallo and now Donaldson being added to that mix with his calf injuries over the past couple of years and just generally being a 37 year old um, or 36 year old, there's real research that's been done that shows that in sports, when te- injuries tend to beget injuries on a team-wide basis, it's not like this massive um, effect and you, you, it's not consistent across all sports in the same ways, but generally speaking, the teams tend to reach a breaking point when it comes to injuries where they're, they start to, you know, things tend to roll, you know, downhill really quickly. In, in some situations. And I think the Yankees have seen that in recent years, but it's the kind of thing where you only have so many trainers and they only have so many hours in the day to work on rehabilitation and when they're, or just, you know, getting guys fresh or keeping guys fresh. So when more of their time is spent on dealing with injured players and then you start having to put, you know, more on a Stanton or a Donaldson if a judge is out or something like that, where these guys, you know, get tend to, tend to get pushed past their breaking points in in ways that I I do think it inc- introduces more team wide risk for the Yankees. Yeah, no, I think all really good points. They have a lot of injury prone players on this team. We'll see if we can if they can keep those guys on the field. Nelson Cruz of the Washington Nationals has been confirmed as well. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, March Madness is here. We want you to compete with us in a bracket challenge game. I'll be in there. Scout will be in there. Cruz will be in there. And we want you as well. Join us at CBSSports.com slash FBT brackets. And the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount Plus. 
Plus, you're able to watch NCAA tournament games on P Plus, tons of soccer from the Champions League to CONCACAF, golf majors in the spring, and NFL football in the fall. Also, we're excited for the debut of Halo, which is streaming March 24th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com slash Halo to try it for free. As someone who grew up playing Halo, I am very excited. This series looks awesome. So for all these reasons, sports, Halo coming, make sure to check out Paramount+. Plus. But back to the brackets. Who enters just one pool? You can also create a group to compete against friends and fill out your bracket for the chance to win a trip to the 2023 Final Four. It's free to enter. You can play on the CBS Sports app or again at cbsports.com slash FBT brackets. And if you need help filling out those brackets, CBS Sports HQ has you covered with nonstop coverage of every game from every region of the NCAA tournament. Join our experts for the most comprehensive breakdowns and streams. CBS Sports HQ all week long. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, Nelson Cruz to the Washington Nationals will break it down here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, so let's talk about Nelson Cruz to the Washington Nationals. Didn't really see this one coming. We heard a lot of rumors of the Padres and the Dodgers involved on Nelson Cruz. He gets one year $13 million guaranteed, it looks like, with a mutual option for 2023. And if nothing else, this just makes me feel better about the other pieces in the Nationals lineup. Like, I think Nelson Cruz is going to do his thing regardless. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy. He's 41 years old. But, Chris, this makes me feel even better about guys like Josh Bell and uh, Lane Thomas leading off for that lineup and Juan Soto. So uh, what do you think, Nelson Cruz, to the Washington Nationals? I don't feel better or worse about Juan Soto. He's arguably the best hitter in baseball. I don't think the presence of Nelson Cruz changes that one one bit. But yeah, it makes the lineup look a little better, and it's a, it's a lineup that, frankly, looks pretty awful. Um, even with the presence of some guys that we... I mean, Josh Bell and Juan Soto are good. Nelson Cruz is, is, is a great hitter, which gives them three guys that I'm confident will be good hitters in 2022. So... It any that team can certainly use the help, and um, 
you know, the top five of that lineup now looks okay. The bottom four it is a problem. Alcides Escobar is currently slated to be the starting shortstop for the Washington Nationals this season. That's going to be a bad lineup, even with Nelson Cruz. But that's, I don't know. I don't understand it, really. (laughs) I don't understand why the Nationals would add Nelson Cruz and why Nelson Cruz would agree to sign with a team like the Nationals. Maybe they'll let him pick where they trade him in July when they're, you know, 15 games out of first place. I don't know. (laughs) I'm kind of confused by it. All right, the ADP for Nelson Cruz is 153.2. And Scott, I think part of the reason why that ADP is as low as as it is is because Nelson Cruz wasn't signed yet. Now he's signed. I think there's a chance that he starts to move up a little bit. What do you think about the value here for Nelson Cruz and maybe how early you're willing to select him yourself? Yeah, I think part of it, I I agree, is because he hadn't signed yet. Um, Part of it is because... You know, he, for the for the first time in a long time, he looked kind of vulnerable after joining the Rays. His overall numbers with them, 226 batting average, 725 OPS. But as we've talked about in recent weeks, if you look at the home away splits during his time with the Rays uh, at home, and obviously these are small, even smaller samples of already small samples, but still at home, he hit 211 with a uh, where's the OPS 603 OPS at home, but away with the Rays, still 236. But again, small samples of small samples, the OPS was 812. Like he he definitely was still hitting for the kind of power we're used to seeing mm-hmm. from Nelson Cruz, and you know the exit velocities were still high. I think Tropicana Field is just for some players in particular, a really horrible place to hit. We've, we've heard that with Willie Adamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it just makes sense. I mean, knowing what we know about the ballpark, the roof is a shade of white, and the lighting is very weird. good. It's just a weird, it's a, yeah. it's a weird stadium. Yeah, so I, I think that might be the primary explanation for why Nelson's Cruz with, Nelson Cruz's numbers with the Rays were what they were. And, you know, obviously he's not going to be with them anymore. So will he go up now that he's signed? Will he move up, up in ADP? Probably to a degree, but I still think he'll be a nice value for people who are willing to roll the dice on the age and the health, which, you know, that that's obviously been a good gamble for at least the last half decade. All right, Chris, would you rather have Nelson Cruz at 153.2 or... Josh Donaldson at 193. So basically four rounds, not four rounds, 40 picks apart. Uh, Cruz. I think both will be good hitters, though. I I don't think there's much question for me, but I do think Donaldson has more risk of injury. I mean, he's dealt with more injuries, even though Cruz is older. Cruz has actually been pretty consistent in terms of his availability. So I'm not too concerned about it. All right, let's get to some injury updates that we received over the weekend. And according to Marley Rivera of ESPN, Ronald Acuna is hopeful that he'll be cleared to return to game action in May. So all along, this is what we thought was going to be the case. And as of now, that's that's the latest uh, update that we saw. There was also another report where manager Brian Snitker said the Braves will have to see Acuna in camp before delivering a timetable for his return. So you know, some confliction there, I guess. But uh, overall, I-, I think we're still looking at May for Ronald Acuna. So, Scott, based on this most recent update, you know, there yep. was more optimism. Ronald Acuna seemed to be climbing in drafts. 
Uh, the ADP is ninth overall, just ahead of uh, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Kyle Tucker. Do you now slide Ronald Acuna back behind those names? I never moved him ahead personally okay. because I, the last we heard any sort of estimate was still May. And, you know, that's not as big a percentage of the season that we're talking about missing as it was before they pushed the pushed opening day back a week. But still, I mean, even more than, okay, chop off this percentage of his projected numbers because he's going to lose that much of the season as we can't really be sure how much of the season he's going to lose. It's, it's an estimate of when he's going to return. And there's by the time we're forced to put our teams together, there, there's still a lot of hurdles he's going to have to clear. So I just, I, I can't take him ahead of any of those other first rounders. I think mid round two, when you, when you start looking at like the Luis Roberts at the position, Roberts is at the position. It's a weird thing we do, right? We pluralize the guy's name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I still think mid-second is where I'm looking to take Acuna. Would you rather have Acuna or Luis Robert? I mean, that's the line, right? I guess Acuna. All right. I guess so, yeah. I'm, I, don't I'm think, I don't think I'll be faced with the choice, thankfully. <laughs> I'm moving him down a little further than that, actually. Okay. okay. I'm moving him down to like the, for Chris me, the George Springer range. Always has range. to one-up me. Chris always has I know to that's, uh, <laughs> you know, the George Springer range for most people is like 40th that yeah. I'm, I'm more like early third, but yeah, I'm moving him to 28th overall sandwiched between George Springer and Byron Buxton, which feels like a good pl- place for him. I think he'll be better than those guys, but those guys, all three of them have injury concerns, obviously, but George Springer and Byron Buxton are currently healthy and currently able to play baseball as far as we know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's always tough because like when you, I always like to point out that when a player gets hurt, you don't just get zeros for them. So like you could plug in a replacement player for Acuna and get um, numbers there and his combine that with his projections. He probably looks pretty close to a first-round pick, but you have to consider the risk of injury. Or uh, not of injury, well, of injury also, but the risk of him not running as much. You know, if he's, he's, if he's not going to come back until May and he's not necessarily going to be, like maybe he won't be fully comfortable running at full speed or stealing bases as often as he does, at, at the start of the season, or maybe at all. Maybe they just don't want him to run to be a 30-steal pace guy. All of a sudden, then, he's, I mean, he's an awesome player either way. You're looking at a mid to high 900s OPS bat no matter what. But it just it, it introduces just enough concerns, I think, to, uh, to drop him down. All right, I'm seeing this tweet from Ken Rosenthal, getting more clarity on the Yankee situation. Still in the market for a left-handed hitting first baseman, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Anthony Rizzo. Will be better defensively if they get one of those players and better at shortstop with Kiner Falefa. Potentially five infielders for four spots. First baseman to be named, Glaber Torres, Kiner Falefa, Josh Donaldson, DJ LeMahieu. We'll see. Free Luke. Free Luke. All that offense, that wasn't working for us. So we're going to (laughs) go... Totally the opposite direction now. Our entire offense is Judge and Stanton, and you guys just go out and field the ball. That's it. well, that Josh Donaldson guy can hit. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. <laughs> and Freddie Freeman, I don't know if you know this, Scott, yeah. but he's a decent hit. <laughs> if they got him, you know, uh, I can't even 
I look, we'll wait till it happens. I don't even want to think about the possibility of that happening because I, I don't think that my brain can handle it right now. Uh, massive news on Zach Wheeler Sunday as well. He had shoulder soreness in December when he first started his throwing program. Apparently, the soreness dissipated quickly, but he's behind schedule and will not be the opening day starter. So GM Dave Dombrowski and manager Joe Girardi said the plan is to go slow with Zach Wheeler this spring after his heavy workload in 2021, 216 innings pitched, I believe it was last season. Uh, and it's not out of the question for Wheeler to be ready, you know, the first week of the season, you know, first couple of weeks, whatever it might be, but he will not be the opening day starter. He is the SP7 off the board. His ADP is 24.6. Chris, I'll start with you. What do you think about this news on Zach Wheeler? How far are you looking to drop him down your starting pitcher ranks, if at all? You're muted. I don't think yeah. there's any way you could not move him down. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm overreacting. I know in the in the instant wake of news like this, there can tend to be some overreactions and some chicken littling. But I um I'm definitely concerned about Zach Wheeler at this point because the primary argument in his favor was safety. Was yeah, he might not have the ratios of some of these other guys. He might not be the 12K per nine guy. But look at this. He's thrown 190 innings in two of the, la- the two of the past three seasons, maybe three of the past four. He hasn't had any injury concerns over the past four seasons since coming back from that Tommy John surgery. He's a really rock-steady ace. He maybe doesn't have the upside, but, well, now... like, well, what, what, does that, what does that mean? Because, I mean, I don't know that that was the primary argument for taking him in the second round. The primary argument for taking him in the second round was he was almost the Cy Young winner in the NL last season. Right, but like Corbin Burns was a lot better than him last season. Okay. It's just that Zach Wheeler threw 40 more innings. Wheeler and Wheeler and Burns, there's no debate there anymore. If if there ever was. I I don't remember the last draft I saw Mm -hmm. where Wheeler went ahead of Burns, but clearly that's not but but if we're talking about Wheeler versus like Sandy Sandy Alcantara, are you moving Wheeler outside of your top ten? what would be the case for Wheeler over Alcantara at this point? I mean, he was a little bit better last season, but now Alcantara is proven. Alcantara is. I think this. I think this is a. I think this is a nothing burger. Honestly, like I, his shoulder got sore when he threw in December, and I we can't completely discount the possibility that a shoulder a sore shoulder is an indicator of structural damage, but there's no indication of structural damage right now. In fact, like this is the way he described it. I'm feeling good. I just got off to a slower start throwing-wise, just a slower start, really. I threw it and was a little sore, so I shut down, started throwing again, and I'm just a little behind because of that. It's nothing concerning. We had time. I knew we had time, so I wanted to play it safe and make sure I built up like I usually do, like I need to, and just be safe with it. I, I go out and play. If I, were to, if I were to play a game of catch for 15 minutes, my shoulder would probably be sore for a week. So I, I'm just not sure I'm that moved by a sore shoulder without any reason to believe their structural damage. And the, based on the way he's talking, it sounded like an, a, an abundance of caution situation. So yeah, I'm moving him behind Bieber. I'm moving him behind DeGrom. I don't want to take him in the second round anymore. But like if he's there in round four, and Salvador Perez isn't, I'm going to take Wheeler, obviously. I think that's the right range, too. So I put out a poll on Twitter asking, you know, where people plan to rank Zach Wheeler with this news coming out. Uh, Is he still a top 10 starting pitcher? Is he in the uh, SP11 to SP20 range? And that's what received the most 
votes. So SP 11 to SP 20 range, 42.5% of the vote. I dropped him down to SP 12, just behind Aaron Nola and Lucas Giolito. I don't know if that's the right answer. I mean, that's just kind of like my knee-jerk reaction right now. I'm not completely confident in that ranking, but I think if I was doing a draft today... We actually have a draft coming out later today for those uh, watch listening, watching on demand uh, Monday, March 14th. We're going to have a head-to-head category draft, so it'll be interesting to see where Zach Wheeler goes in that one. But that's where I initially dropped him to. What do you guys think about that range? SP12, just behind Nola and Giolito. I think it's fine. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I have saw some people talking about uh, he's in like Joe Musgrove range now or something, and that seems like a major overreaction. I still want him amid the sort of pitchers I can reasonably expect to contend for the Cy Young, you know? Um, I'm not going to have him as low as you have him. Okay. But, you know, it, it's going to be close enough. I And obviously, we're going to find out more over the weeks. Like, we're going to get updates on Zach Wheeler's status that may influence us one way or the other. So we're just kind of an initial reaction. But based on what I'm seeing, based on the way the Phillies are talking about it, Wheeler himself is talking about it, doesn't sound like a big deal. All right, Chris, do you yeah, have an I official just, official ranking on Zach Wheeler? Update. 13th. 13th. All right. So, yeah. Okay, I mean, I my pitchers are lower just in general. Like, I've he's 56th in my overall ranking, so I'm just lower on pitchers in general. Um, but, yeah, I similar range among pitchers. I just, I think I'm always wary of the injury to a pitcher or the whatever you we don't want to call an injury, the soreness or you know, the thing that derails them during the prep for the season, because Shane Bieber and Jack Flaherty had sh- shoulder issues last season. And I, I think Wheeler probably not as good as Shane Bieber, probably better than, than Jack Flaherty. If all, all, all are, are healthy, but now you're dealing with, he's dealt with an injury during this cycle during the cycle of this season. Whereas as far as we know, Flaherty and Bieber have not. They are healthy current. And maybe Wheeler is just healthy right now. Maybe it's an overreaction, but it's just he's got the thing during this season cycle that the other guys don't yet. And so I, I do think that's more of a red flag than it might otherwise seem given how he's talking about it. So just... I'm just I'm always wary with pitchers of things that disrupt their the start of their season. It's just if things like it seems like things tend to snowball with pitchers and it's like the small thing ends up being a big thing in the end. It, yeah, I, I mean I could get that argument too, just like because he's behind, he pushes himself harder to catch up. In a shorter spring. Yeah. I could see that. But you could say that for every pitcher, given the given the way the spring sure. is gonna play out. But I also uh, just I, like, at what point, at, like round number in a 12 team league, like when he's wheelers there, you feel like oh, I have to take him. I don't know if I've drafted him at all this year. So I, I generally, I'm generally out on him uh, at the price anyway, but probably fifth, I would say is okay. where fifth or sixth. Well, um, we're not. We're not the one thing I will say is we're also treating Zach Wheeler as if last year was the new, like the new baseline or something like last year. And it's, Worth remembering, he had an 18% strikeout rate in 2020, sure. which is less of an outlier for his career than what last year's was. Yeah. You know, he, he was 23, 24% before, um, before 2020 coming back from the injury. So I just, 
I, I also just, I, I have some concerns about performance with him. All right, let's stick with the Phillies here. Again, a few other injury updates. Starting pitcher Zach Eflin is ahead of schedule coming off knee surgery in September. He's already thrown several bullpen sessions and is on target to open the season on time. His ADP is 411 for those in deeper leagues, NL only, some deeper mixed leagues as well. Some good news here for Scott. Charlie Morton threw a 20-pitch bullpen session Sunday and already faced hitters a few times this spring. Sounds good to me. Coming off that fractured tibia, uh, Justin Verlander threw 35 pitches across two simulated innings on Sunday. No reports of any kind of reaction there or, you know, and nothing bad. So that's <laughs> if there's nothing bad, then I'm going to take that as good news for Justin Verlander as of now. Max Muncy took batting practice and fielded some grounders on Saturday. Dave Roberts said that he expects Muncy to be ready for opening day in some capacity and that Muncy is 85% recovered from his elbow injury. Chris, does this make you feel any better about Max Muncy? I know that you were the optimist on him all along. Uh, this is pretty much what I've expected over the past week or so as we've you know heard more from him and then now hearing this from Dave Roberts. So I think that's... Um, I think that's good news. You know, we'll see how he makes it through spring and what it looks like. And I'll feel better about him if he's ready to play in the field. If he's DH only, that, that'll be a little concerning. But um, yeah, I'm, I still think Max Muncy is a good, pri- good value at his like 140-ish ADP or whatever it is. And it's actually been trending down. Um, so perfectly happy with taking him. I think that the, the reward is worth the risk. Um, I do... Uh, I don't see it in the notes. Maybe I'm overlooking it. But another thing that Dave Roberts talked about today was Clinton Kershaw. I don't know if you, you have that in here, but um, and Kershaw spoke with the media as well. But it was you know basically everything's fine. You know Kershaw said the only way he was retiring is if the elbow wasn't fine. So the fact that he's back indicates that he feels good about his elbow. That's a good sign. I did have a something written down a little bit further down the rundown. Clayton Kershaw said he didn't pick up a baseball until January 1st. He's going to face hitters for the first time on Monday and thinks he'll be ready for opening day. So I actually thought that was pretty bad, like not picking up a baseball until January 1st. And he thinks he'll be ready for opening day. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. The concern. Sounds not too great. Um, I still think the <clears throat> the reward there is worth the risk as well with a one you know seventy eight point nine ADP at, at NFC. All right, Steven Strasburg is prepping for the start of the season coming off thoracic outlet surgery. The Nationals won't fully know where Strasburg stands in recovery until the coaching and training staff gets a chance to evaluate him this spring. The ADP is 262.8. Uh, John Ross underwent surgery to remove a bone spur in Joe his Ross. elbow. Joe Ross, correct. Uh, John Ross, football. A lot of luck going on in football today, too. Uh, Joe Ross underwent surgery. He is out uh, six to eight weeks, uh, removed a bone spur from his elbow. And Mariners pitching prospect Emerson Hancock Hancock is dealing with a lat strain. We do have quite a bit more. All right, I think we're probably going to run a little bit over here because that, again, Josh Donaldson news kind of set us back a little bit. Um, But let's talk about these signings in deeper leagues, Scott. You say Kikuchi, he signed a three-year, $36 million deal with the Toronto Blue Jays over the weekend. He declined a $13 million player option back in November. And the Blue Jays are kind of interesting because they just turned Robbie Ray around. I, I don't think that they're necessarily going to do that again. But uh, what do you think about the upside of you say Kikuchi here with the Blue Jays, Scott? I mean, he obviously showed some upside early last year, actually made the all-star team 318 ERA, 103 whip in his first 15 starts, right at a strikeout per inning, but the swinging strike rate suggested there was more bat-missing ability than that. 
But he collapsed in the second half, and his spin rates had a lot to do with it. The velocity dropped some too, but the spin spin rates especially. So uh, about the time the the sticky substance ban kicked in. And as things, he ended with a 441 ERA. He still has a 539 career ERA. I was a little surprised he declined the option with the Mariners. And I'm a little surprised he got a three-year deal with the Blue Jays because I'm still pretty skeptical, especially with the, uh, with the drop in spin rates in the second half last year. Um, but, you know, if if he is good, then the Blue Jays are an offense you want to ha- you want him behind him. So um, late round flyer, I think, is appropriate for Yusei Kikuchi, but he's not, he's not a, he, I wouldn't say he's a high priority for me. There's a teeny tiny amount of Robbie Ray in Yusei Kikuchi. He also gets hit really hard, which, not a good thing. That's not you know a, a good comp, but really good swing and miss pitches uh, all the way across the board. Really, his fastball has been a really good swing and miss pitch. Slider and changeup have both been good. The problem is just a lot of it seems to be command, and a lot of it seems to be pitch mix, and it just seems like there's just like like his cutter was really good in 2020, and it was really really bad in 2021. So there's also some consistency issues. I just think like. I have no trouble squinting and seeing a version of Yusei Kikuchi that's really good and it's going to make me interested in him. Um, just, it's, I don't know if the, I, I don't know if I believe the Blue Jays know exactly what needs to be tweaked, but there, there are tweaks that can be made of that, I'm convinced. So, I am interested in him. <clears throat> the ADP for Yusei Kikuchi is 350. So, as Scott mentioned, again, a late round flyer, someone you can get with really one of your, Last picks in your drafts. We had three middle infield signings as well this uh, this seat this weekend. Josh Harrison signed a one year five and a half million dollar deal with the White Sox. Uh, many expect him to be their starting second baseman. Nico Goodrum signed a one year two million dollar deal with the Houston Astros, and then Jose Iglesias signed a one year contract with the Colorado Rockies. Uh, so again, these are deep league signings. Scott, any interest here? Harrison to the White Sox, Goodrum to the Astros, Jose Iglesias to the Rockies. Well, I mean, just by virtue of the role he's going to play, Josh Harrison probably has the most fantasy appeal, and it's it's not that much. I mean, he didn't get double-digit home runs or steals last year as an everyday player. Uh, Nico Goodrum has flashed some interesting upside at times for the Tigers, and you know, there's a little bit of speed there, a little bit of power there. I can see him becoming relevant if... You know, let's say he and and prospect Jeremy Pena are competing for the starting shortstop job because the Astros don't bring anyone else for shortstop, and Goodrum wins, and he's in that lineup, and he there's that. Uh, I believe he's a right-handed hitter, right, Goodrum? Um, I think he's a switch hitter. Okay. Well, in any case, I it, it's obviously a better situation than he's been playing in a Detroit. So I I think there's a chance maybe he could emerge as something halfway useful. But it's. I, I think you're right to call them deeper league options. All right, yeah. Nico um, Goodrum is a switch hitter. I wanted to mention real quick, last year the batting average bad for Goodrum, 214. Nine homers, 14 steals in 90 games. That's a 15 homer, 23 steal pace over 150 games. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there is a little bit something. There. I think that Astros still either bring in a shortstop or they make another move, but uh, he is kind of interesting. Go ahead, Chris. I don't think it's out of the question that... Um Josh Harrison could hit like 15 homers in 
guaranteed rate field just because it is such a good park for for power. So, I, you know, he's probably just like a guy who helps you with batting average, but I think there might be room for um, a little bit more. I don't think he's going to be mixed league relevant, but, but AL only for sure. And then, you know what, man? Jose Iglesias, I mean, it's course field. Like, he might hit 300. Yeah, with eight homers. You know? Yeah, he might hit 300 <laughs> with 10 homers and, and, you know, six stolen bases. And, like, he's a better real-life player than Garrett Hampson. We, the fantasy baseball community as a whole needs to just get past this Garrett Hampson thing because we're always like, why don't the Rockies play Garrett Hampson? It's like, because he's bad. What's he dead? has like a 60 career OPS plus. He's a bad baseball player. What's dead may never Relative die, to major league baseball players. He's much better than <laughs> any of us. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. Uh, Josh Harrison, by the way, triple eligible on CBS second base, third base, and outfield. So that definitely uh, helps his value as well. Chris, we uh, Scott and I did an emergency podcast on Friday night reacting to Carlos Rodon and Clayton Kershaw. I didn't know. Obviously, you touched on Kershaw a little bit earlier, but anything that you wanted to add uh, on Carlos Rodon going to the Giants? I mean, the uh, the way I look at it is like there are multiple questions that need to be answered for Carlos Rodon, and, and this answers the first one. And the first question is, is he currently healthy? Past the physical, Giants gave him a not insignificant contract. They, they gave him a contract that made a anonymous GM whine to John Heyman about how much money they spent. Um, so that's, that's a strong, uh, a strong bet that the giants are making. That's a strong signal for us that he is currently healthy. The other question that he has to answer for me is, can he throw with the velocity that he did last season? Currently, the other question then would be, can he do that for a whole season and stay healthy? That's a question that we can't answer that. There's just no answer that we can get. But if we see Carlos Rodon throwing in spring training and he's hitting 100 miles an hour consistently like he was last season, then, yeah, the, the upside is for him to be a top 12 starting pitcher. I don't know if you're ever going to get the innings that he needs to be that, but at least on a perning basis, he can be as good as anyone based on what we saw last season, you know, south of Jacob deGrom, I guess, because... The fastball gave him the thing. He The fastball jumping up to that 96 average, 98, 100 touching range is that it gave him the second pitch that he's been looking for because his slider's been a major league caliber pitch since he was in college, but the changeup never quite developed. And so the fastball turning into a 30% swing and miss, 220 expected Woba or 260 expected Woba kind of pitch, whatever it was last season, you know, a, a truly elite pitch it changed his entire profile. And if he's still throwing in that range, then Carlos Rodon's going to be worth picking in the 35-ish range at starting pitcher, I think, maybe higher, because the the upside there is just tremendous. His ADP is 108.8 as the 34th starting pitcher off the board. Uh, Chris, do you foresee so probably this? higher. Do you, yeah, do you, you foresee probably this need climb? to draft him higher. You think, you think this is going to climb? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question Carlos Rodon's ADP is going to climb. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to draft him at that cost, but um, you know, yeah, I think you you already have to move him up. This is this is good news. This is the the first bit of good news we've gotten from him, uh, around him. So, yeah, I'm going to put him just ahead of Pablo Lopez. All right, let's get to some uh, bullpen moves that happened. 
this weekend. Alex Colomay signed a one-year deal with the Colorado Rockies, and he's currently the 69th starting uh, relief pitcher off the board with an ADP of 419.3. Scott, Alex Colomay, uh, I, <laughs> I don't think he's very good. It's a terrible place to mm. pitch, but I think that he is going to be the guy for the Rockies. So how high are you going to move him up your relief pitcher rankings? Oh, let me remind myself what I wrote this week. And so, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously not going to be a closer that's in high demand. Uh, but I, I, I don't think there's much doubt he's the closer. He, you know, he eventually got the role for the Twins down the stretch last year and, and pitched better after losing it earlier. He was this reliable closer the five years prior to that. And he's clearly the best the Rockies have because Carlos Estevez was not going to get it done. I think we all knew that. So I have him kind of in that same range as Dylan Floro, Joe Burrow. He probably deserves to go ahead of them just based on track record. Personally, I would just wait around for Dylan Floro. But I think Alex Colomay probably deserves to go ahead of him. Okay. I did notice you said Joe Burrow in there, Scott, instead of Joe Barlow. So we've got football oh on the goodness. brain today, man. Joe Burrow and yeah. John Ross. What's going wow. on? This is weird. I'm not That's always, always, <laughs> always on football, Scott. Uh, I moved Alex Colomay up to RP35. So it, yeah. it sounds like pretty significantly lower than you, Scott. I have him around like the Rowan Wick, Matt Barnes range. I don't know what the Red Sox are going to do yet. So uh, I just, wow. I don't think he's very good. Maybe I need to move him up more. Uh, I'm going to be interested well, to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it it just depends how much you value this guy has a role versus this guy may have a role. Yep, and speaking of having a role, Joe Girardi said Sunday that as of now, Corey Knable is the Phillies' closer, and uh, the team did also sign Jerry's Familia to a one-year $6 million deal. Uh, Familia has 125 career saves, and I think that he could be involved if Knable can't pitch back-to-back days. He's dealt with a lot of injuries the past couple of years, so... Keep that in mind. Knable's the guy, but if anything were to happen or if, you know, they don't want to use him back-to-back days, then uh, Familia is probably going to be involved as well. Uh, Conflicting reports on Lucas Sims this weekend of the Cincinnati Reds. Apparently, he's behind at camp, uh, but then Sims said that he's, quote, all clear regarding any potential arm troubles. Sims did deal with uh, elbow issues last year, and the Reds' bullpen was very frustrating. They had 10 different relievers with a save last season that was tied for second most in baseball, and the name that I've been pumping all offseason is Art Warren. He was really good last year, small sample size, but 1.29 ERA, 0.90 whip, a 19% swinging strike rate for Art Warren. Did did have 27 saves in the minors as well. Uh, Chris, I know that you were excited about Lucas Sims. What do you think about this report we got over the weekend? I'm going to keep him in like the low 20. I think he's either like in the, yeah, he's 30th for me at relief pitcher. I think he's fine there. I don't have much interest in moving him up or down based on this news. I think he's really good if he's healthy. I think he's going to be much better than he was last year, but obviously there's a lot of risk, so you can't make him anything more than a late round pick, but I like him. You know, I don't I don't think there's like I don't think the the Reds are like a frustrating team because they don't want to settle on a closer. Um I think they were a frustrating team last season because all of their relievers were awful. And so if Lucas Sims is healthy and good, I think he's going to be the closer. Um, if Art Warren is really good and, and Lucas Sims isn't healthy or he struggles, I think he can be really good. But yeah, it's um, it's concerning, but he's cheap, so it doesn't really matter. 
Yeah, it's hard to name a closer when no one's pitching well, right? So that was part yeah. of the issue last year for the Reds. Uh, Scott, what do you think about Steve Ciszek? He signed a one-year, $1.75 million deal with the Washington Nationals. He has 132 career saves, though he hasn't really been a full-time closer since 2016. You know, kind of uh, submarine-y, sidearm-type uh, relief pitcher. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. they just don't really have a lot in the back end of their bullpen, no, there's Taylor Rainey, terrible. there's Kyle Finnegan. Everybody's terrible. I'm not sure Ciszek is that much better, though. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I doubt he'll be their first choice to close. He, okay. may, he may wind up in the role because nobody else is getting the job done, but I doubt he's Plan A for that. And and Plan A may not be on the roster yet. Fair enough. Brad Boxberger signed a one-year deal to return to the Brewers. He pitched really well last season. I thought maybe he can get an opportunity to close somewhere. And the White Sox signed Joe Kelly, adding to an already really stacked bullpen. Uh, Tony Larusa said he expects Craig Kimbrell to be on the opening day roster, but what else is he supposed to say at this point? So uh, I hope you're lying, Tony Larusa. <laughs> we could all use Craig Kimbrell somewhere else to help us out in fantasy baseball. Some other news items I want to quickly mention. Bryson Stott and Didi Gregorius will compete for the starting shortstop job for the Philadelphia Phillies. Stott had a really strong 2021. He's a top prospect in their organization. That translated well into the Arizona Fall League. Also, uh, we had the Welsh on this offseason, and he's really excited about Bryson Stott, so a name to remember there. Uh, Luis Castillo will arrive late to Reds camp due to a flight-slash-family issue. Dalton Varsho is viewed as the starting center fielder entering spring training for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Cattell Marte will be the team's starting second baseman. Uh, A.J. Hinch said that Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green have a chance to make the team out of spring training Torkelson was working as the Tigers' primary first baseman on Sunday. So lots of excitement there with those two prospects. Again, Torkelson and Riley Green. Eric Haas would work in a utility role this season in addition to being the team's backup catcher. So maybe more playing time for Eric Haas. Uh, Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock are both being stretched out but are not locks for the rotation. Lewis Brinson signed a minor league deal with the Houston Astros. And finally... We get to the biggest news of the weekend. The, really, the biggest story that I could find. Ty Buttry has reported and is retired no more. Mm. Mm. And he is back with the Angels. Scott, mm. do you have any thoughts? Well, Frank, I once knew a man named Lorenzo. Last name gained like mine, only spelled differently. No E. When last we spoke, we spoke of a young man named for the way I eat my toast. Buttery. Die buttery. Spreaded, not sprayed. He's not the sort who fancies working into his 80s, apparently, for he retired in the off-season, never to play again. The game whispered to him like a breeze through an open window, and he answered back. He's back, and the world is buttery again. But truthfully, my mind isn't on young die right now but on the heart of the Atlanta Braves, one Frederick Freeman. I've had on occasion the privilege of phoning Mr. Freeman and asked him on one such occasion what the cause is for the delay. He said to me, you still haven't given up on me. I said to him, never. He <laughs> said to, to me, well, Mr. Kane, you're in for a show. I said to him, I have my popcorn ready, hot, 
and of course, Buttery. Great job, Scotty. Great job, as always. Nice little appearance there from uh, our good friend Michael Kane, of course. Ty Buttry is back. Retired no more. Frederick Freeman, let's go. Let's make some moves. Let's go. Get let's back go. Get back to Scotty's Atlanta Braves. Let's have some fun. Uh, and that is a perfect way to end the podcast. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.